We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With the seventh pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Panay Sewell. Tackle, Oregon. He's going to run it straight in. Jared Goldberg. Yes. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. DJ Hawkins, yes. they did it. They tied it. They're an extra point away from winning this game. Oh, baby, how big is that? Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast on the Blue Wire Network, episode 242. I am your host, Tyler, joined by my two guys, as always, Mr. Malcolm Hart, Pierre. How you boys doing on this not so beautiful Wednesday night, but but Wednesday night we're here, all of us. How you guys doing? Man, I'm doing great, bro. Like you said, not the best weather, but man, the past couple of days, I'm not going to complain about the weather today. We've been good here. Malcolm, man, how are you, bro? Coming up. Woo! What's going on, guys? How y'all doing? I am great, and I'm just chilling, man. How y'all doing, man? Same. How are you guys enjoying these playoffs, NBA, NBA wise, NHL wise? How are you guys enjoying these playoffs? I've been enjoying them really a lot uh, this year. It's Man, I was I was really hoping for CP3 to get that ring, but damn it, he's probably not gonna get it. I mean, I wasn't really too worried about. I mean, I didn't care about. I mean, I, I didn't care I either. I just have always been a CP3 fan since I was a kid, so I was like, yo, I hope he gets this ring. You know, he's 38, 37, whatever. And I like damn, the he fact- played awful. I like the yes, fact I that we have an unexpected team that we didn't that nobody really seen coming made it this far. I don't I think see. a lot of people gave Dallas a shot to get this yeah. far to beat to they beat Utah, and now they're playing. They beat they beat Phoenix, and now they're they're going against Golden State, man. So yeah, yeah. I would even say in the eastern it's not eastern side ball. Um, I know Miami is number one seed, dude. I still don't see. I, I didn't see them being this far, man. And me and Malcolm were talking, dude. Like every time we just doubt Miami, they he, find he they find some random player, Mark Ma- Max Struess, <laughs> Gabe Vincent, and like these guys just come perform, and they're here in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're up one zero right now, and it's cool. it's that culture, man. I'm telling you, they have the sauce, man. They have this the secret sauce up in Miami, man. I don't know, I don't know where they get these players from. These guys come out of absolute nowhere. And it's like for some reason, it's like they like the requirement to join Miami Heat. You got to be able to shoot threes and you got to play defense. If you could do those two things, you're you're on the you Heat team, player. and you will have and a successful Heat career if you can do those two things. 
when you have a top five front office and a top five coaching staff too, that helps. In my opinion, Spolstra and Riley are one of the best. But it's crazy. I mean, it's not like it's not like it's not like they're luring stars to the Miami. They're doing it with G League guys, guys who's coming from the street. That's what makes it more impressive. These guys are coming from the street, and they're like, "All right, you can shoot a three. How's your defense? All right, come on. Here, here's a here's a E jersey. <laughs> you can join our squad." And they're they're having success doing it. It's crazy. Like I, I'm a Knicks fan, and I'm I'm jealous. Why can't yeah. the Knicks do this? Yeah. And I'm probably I'm pretty sure you're wondering why the Pistons can't do this. Malcolm, I just vented to you for half hour before we started our you, show. You How did, jealous you did. I am? <laughs> you did. I just don't understand why. Why? Why, why? not us? Yeah. Why not us? And you know, I live in Miami, so I'm watching these. I'm watching everybody all excited. I'm like, damn, man. It kind of, it kind of, it kind of go. It goes back to the NFL too. Like going back to the NFL season and watching the Rams. At the time, I was really excited, but now I'm thinking about it. We had Matthew Stafford for 12 years, <laughs> and he goes out one year after Detroit. He wins it right away, yeah. like that. Like that mm-hmm. just. I mean, something like that. I mean, I we all seen that coming, man. Yeah, we all knew. A, we all knew what Matthew Stafford would do if he's out of Detroit. We all knew crazy, that. Crazy man. It's like we can't have shit here. We can't have shit in Detroit. That's yeah, that's man. the same. Can't have shit in Detroit. It's it, it, it's just man, man. I just I just say that all the time when Matthew Stafford's here. I just say, oh, you think Matthew Stafford came in the playoff game? I guarantee you, if you substitute him with Russell Wilson and put him in the Seattle Seahawks. And put Russell Wilson in Detroit when they had the Legion of Boom and they had um, Marshall Lynch. Matthew Stafford had a ton of playoff wins. We were like, oh, I don't know if he would have any playoff. Yes, he would have a lot of playoff wins. Yeah. Now everybody's seeing him go to just Rams one year. And now he has a Super Bowl. Now nobody can say, oh yeah, Matthew Stafford's this. They can't say nothing about Matthew Stafford. Oh, man, I don't like talking about the the stuff. It's depressing. Let's talk it's, about it's a pre- um, this is a pre- <laughs> It is impressive, Let's but not it's talk about hard facts. Yeah, no, it, just, it just goes along with that weather. It's the shitty weather right now. It's raining, and I, like I just had a lot of time to reflect today, and I've I've been sad today because I've been thinking about how shitty our teams are. So I, I want to do this episode tonight, and hopefully bring some optimism towards our football team this fall time, and maybe I could feel something. Because right now I'm going to be honest with you guys, I'm really not into it. Baseball season is just not doing it for me. The baseball season is not doing it for me. And watching these playoffs, as although they've been so great, so great, all these games have been great, I've been jealous, super jealous, because I'm looking at all these fans so passionate. And I want to see not only the Lions, but I want to see one, just one, one Detroit sports team just get there and let me enjoy it. Let me have some fun. I, I, I haven't been able to do it. So Patience is key, it. bro. I know the Tigers think- right now, the patience has been worn out, but the Pistons and Lions, they kind of just started doing this thing. So patience is key. You got to be patient here. I'm trying. The Red Wings, I mean, I don't know. Like, they have some good young players. But fear, they gave fear, up the, you know what? You can't be in this conversation because you've seen, is key, man. You have seen is a key. good talent in Detroit. I haven't seen dog shit. I haven't seen shit. I have seen I good can, talent in Detroit. but like, I could write a whole book me. of how depressing my sports fandom has been. And you can me and Malcolm, tell, though. There's... I, I, could, I think I could write a book. Me and Malcolm could write now, a whole bro. book. Like the Lions, they have a good management. Brad Holmes, so far, he looks good, right? Like, we don't know fully what he's going to be, but so far, looks good. Eiserman, we know what Eiserman has done so far. He's drafted guys, like two great rookies just now. Um, Troy Weaver, I mean, this guy had three guys, all first NBA rookie, right? Like, you just have to be patient. You have like, these young teams. They're not going to develop or like into a day to be a star. It takes time. Just be patient. Yeah. You'll be happy. You'll be happy within like 
a year or two. Just give I, us some you know, time. I, I just feel I feel what Tyler's going through. I know he's going through, so I get it. You know, it's because when you see a team have some type of, you know, they overachieve. And this is what going for his Tigers. They overachieved last year. And you have expectations. You know, you see them get some guys in the offseason. You feel like the roster's better. You expect them to play better. And he's, he's seeing them play worse. And when you see that, it's just like, why is this happening? And this happens to me all the time. Like, even my Knicks. Like, this year, last year, the Knicks was a playoff team. My Knicks were a playoff team. I was a fourth seed. This yeah. year, I was just like, where was that team? Where Julius Randle, where are you? <laughs> you know, you've seen these teams take they, they take sets backwards. You're like, this ain't it, man. Yeah. And we were, yeah, we, were talking, like... we, were, we were talking before that, like the Lions team, even though they didn't really compete much, like as far as the, the win-loss column, because they only won three games at the end of the day. So, like, it doesn't look like it was a very good season. But, like, we were talking about like, how competitive they were. And, like, if the Lions don't reach a certain amount of games, which I don't want to set a number this early into it, but, like, if they don't reach a certain six. amount of games – Six. Yeah, I think, yes, I think six, six is a fair number. Yeah, I think six is a fair <laughs> number. Um, but like, if they don't reach that number, it's like, damn, like, what are we doing here? Like, that's when you just start to question everything. You question everything of the fandom. And like, yeah, just bro, like I said, you have to be patient, man, right? It's because you got to remember, like, we're expecting six wins from the Lions right now, but they're still a young team. Like, like am I asking for a lot for six wins? You're not, you're not asking for a lot, but if it goes bad, like, I'm not. I'm not saying, oh, fire this guy, fire that guy. I'm not. It's it's year two in a rebuild. It's it's year two in a rebuild, and most of the the guys they added this offseason weren't free agents. They were through their draft, so these guys are young. We have to see how they develop as the year goes. I know, but I mean, you, you gotta have some type of caution. Like if you're looking at the traffic light, red, <laughs> yellow, and green. Yeah, if they go bad, I I think you gotta get off the green light and just I don't maybe know. go on caution, because I, I get it year two, but. It just like I'm not asking for eleven wins. Is, I'm not asking for a division. I'm not asking no, for no, like, I think, I'm asking for six I think wins. Get, like six, six to nine wins. That's where I have them right now, somewhere in that That's range. I, I um, just because like once Ben Johnson took over, like even the roster on offense was kind of depleted, and he made things work with like not a lot, right? They had injuries a lot on sure offense, did. they had receivers coming in and out. So now you see Ben Johnson with a full off season with the additions right, they've made. That's my point. And, and this is why we, this know, is why we're going to be line. So yeah, I think I think they could I think offense could be so I think defense still might have some growing pains because they're still really young on that side of the ball. So yeah, we'll see. So even happens. even even with how, how well they played last year, who the defense? The defense, yeah. Look at their numbers; they weren't all that. Like hopefully Hutch and the guys they added could, could could make it a little better, right? I think they will make it a little better, but we'll see, man. So all it all depends on development of the young guys entering year two. Aline, Levi, Barnes. Um, does Okuda come back? Is Jacobs healthy? Like you got some question marks too. Can Deshaun Elliott stay healthy? Is Kirby Joseph probably not week one? But will how will he be as like? There's some questions. Linebackers yeah. are a mess. You know, it, it, that's just my point though. Like I'm not asking for much. I'm asking for just six wins. I think that's the bare minimum, and I think they should they should reach that that minimum. I really do think they'll reach that minimum. And I know we're in May yeah. right now. We're talking. So let's talk about the offensive ball. That's what this episode is going to be dedicated towards. So we're going to do two separate episodes. We're going to do an offensive one, which you're listening to right now, and then we're going to do another one next week about the defense side of the ball. We're just going to essentially break down how the team is right now after the draft, after free agency. And obviously there could be some changes to this roster as we go into training camp. You actually probably should expect some changes from now going into training camp. But right. we're going to talk about just how the roster looks right now, some competitions to maybe look out for, 
uh, once we start getting closer to that later July. So let's just get right into it. We're going to go position by position on the offense of the ball. So let's start right at the quarterback position. And Peter, I think, asked a very interesting question before we got on air. And I didn't answer it because I want to save it. And he asked me, how many quarterbacks do you think we're going to carry on this football team? Obviously, Jared Goff's going to be a lock. He's going to be your starting quarterback next year. And after that, I think it gets interesting because the Lions didn't address the position in the draft. They didn't bring any new faces in as far as the quarterback room. So they brought in, they brought back Tim Boyle and they brought back David Blau. So I'm going to kick it off to you, Peter. Looking at this quarterback group right now, how are you overall feeling about this group right now? I'd say this is probably the biggest weakness on offense, just the quarterback room in general. Um, I feel fine. Like, I think golf is okay. We've talked about this a lot. I'm not going to get into golf and stuff, but Boyle is like a little, you know, he's not. We kind of said in the offseason, like, we kind of said we wish during the freeze, we wish they kind of went in a different direction there. Maybe a slight upgrade, but they didn't. They felt comfortable with him. They really like him. So I get it. And I think Blau. I was thinking of what they did last year. I believe they only carried two quarterbacks, right? And Blau went on the practice squad, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I was a, no, Blau, I was in the season all year. Long. I think Blau was in the season. I think Blau. He just never. He just didn't. Play, he, they just didn't trust him to play. I didn't think he that, made that was until fifty-three. Did he? Yeah, he did. It was sure? three. I thought he was on the practice squad. They protected him. No. Remember, he was in the game. He was on the roster. We were like, play Tim, uh, play the uh, Blau. And no, they went Tim Boyle. I think that was when golf got hurt, right? Or am I tripping? Maybe I'm wrong. Hang on, let me see something. Ooh, oh, yeah, I'm wrong. You're right. You're right. So Blau did make the initial 53. So, yeah, especially, especially with COVID, man. They, yeah, they had to have three quarterbacks. So, okay. So maybe the, well, COVID is not as, um, they're not strict down anymore. They took all actually all the rules off it's now. It's not so as bad now with COVID. Not like there's not a lot of cases going on as much. You never know though, a new strain could happen or something. I think maybe right now they'll carry two, but if like COVID goes crazy in the summer or something, like they get a new strain and there's a lot of like cases or whatever, I think they'll carry three. But I think right now they'll carry two. Wow, like Blau or Goff and Poyle. I think Blau, probably a practice squad candidate or something could claim him. Wow, so you think there's gonna be a QB battle for QB two? Is that what you're? Is that what you're saying? I think it's Boyle's job to lose, but yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say I don't know if it's gonna be really much of a competition. I really think it's gonna be Boyle's job. I'd be pretty stunned if Blau ends up being QB two going into the season. Um, not that Boyle's all this impressive quarterback, and you know he didn't really do much last year. And I said I wanted an upgrade. I, there's just something with David Blau. I was a little surprised they even brought him back because I just felt like this staff just didn't really value him. They never gave him an opportunity. And I felt like there was multiple times during that season last year where you could have maybe gave him an opportunity to, you know, get in the football game and at least play, but never got that opportunity. Um, and camp was always QB three, even, you know, I mean, and he only started to be QB two once Boyle got hurt. So I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting. Even when Boyle came back off his injury, because Blau was the back quarterback, because I just remember Boyle was hurt. He started the season on IR. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. You're right. Yeah, I was just going to say, so like even after Boyle missing like six to seven weeks or whatever, however much weeks he missed, they still went to him, even even though Blau was healthy and was the back quarterback for the first two months of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I remember there was a game that he actually got in the game. It was like another game. I forgot what game it was. Do you remember, Tyler? I'm pretty sure you probably remember. In the regular season? 
in the regular season. He got in the game and it is it was a terrible. <laughs> I think he had a fumble <laughs> as soon as he got in the game. It was bad. I want to say that was did we play Carolina last year? No, we didn't. I was gonna say no. Was I'm sure thinking. I'm thinking play. of the other year. I he just play, all he, remember, didn't play, he didn't. He didn't play last year. He had to. I remember him playing last year. Looking at his number. I remember going on Twitter and saying, "You guys wanted the David Blau. Here's David Blau." I remember and that he, too. I actually he, remember him having a bad game. Played, he played terrible, but people were saying, "Oh, the old line wasn't there, and he, he was in the best spot." Maybe we're looking at preseason because he didn't get a snap last year offensively. He didn't get a snap last year. Are you sure? Yeah. Are we thinking right of the 20, uh, 20 2020 then, season he played? Yeah, maybe when Chase Daniel got hurt, you're thinking of. Oh, yeah, that's what we're thinking of. I think you're thinking of two years ago when Chase got hurt and David Blau <laughs> got a bit of an opportunity. He didn't play a snap last year? He didn't get a single snap. Yeah, um, no, because I, I, you're definitely thinking of 2020 because he had six <laughs> six completions for 10 attempts and he threw one interception. You're definitely thinking of 2020. Yeah, that that sounds like what it was because it was really bad. Like he was, he came in the game and it was just downright terrible. Yeah, yeah. No, that, I mean, his quarterback rating was thirty two point nine in twenty twenty. I'm only really a ten attempts, but oh. yeah, wasn't great. <laughs> so they also have this camp body. They bring in like a tryout quarterback. Maybe like they'll sign him to be on the roster to compete with Plow for that third spot. We'll see. But if the Lions, no. this, this is how I think of it. If the Lions with David Blau, like if they don't, if they don't trust him, because last year Boyle was hurt, and right after, like they didn't even play Blau, they played Boyle right off his injury right away. So to me, it seems like the Lions didn't trust uh, David Blau last year. Um, yo, he actually did play. He he just didn't have any passing. He didn't throw the ball, <laughs> or he didn't okay. get a chance to. He got in. So he, okay, he, he I, got I, in the game, got sacked, it. and fumbled the ball away. That was it. Mm, it was help. yeah, it was it was okay. bad. I was just looking at his um, he probably came in, he probably came and handed the ball off a couple times, and then the one time he tried to pass the ball off, he got sacked. He got destroyed. Right. He, he played as far as the way. team, the team he played, I don't remember what exactly team it was, but I just remember I remember going on Twitter last year, like because I know that's where everybody was like, play David Blau, play David Blau. I'm like, uh he's not as better, he's not like a huge upgrade over Tim Boyle. And he finally got in the game. Everybody was like, Yeah, no, like you guys wanted him, here he is. And he just fumbled it, fumbled the shit away. But might have yeah. been, it might have been that Cleveland game, if I remember correctly. It could have been the Cleveland game. It could have been the Cleveland game. It was bad. It was, and it could have been because of the conditions. I think the condition was bad, and that's what probably caused the fumble. Yeah. But yeah. No, that's so, that middle of the season, man. That's a blur. You guys, <laughs> you guys got two or three quarterbacks. I, I was gonna say I was gonna say three. I, I mean, for some reason. I don't know why they like these guys. I don't know why they like Tim Boyle. Why they like David Blau? They just keep bringing them back. I don't, I don't see a reason why they should have brought back um David Blau. And because like, I don't think they they trust him. They don't they don't they don't trust him. There was a game where um Tim Boyle was hurt, and Jared Goff was hurt. Jared Goff it's couldn't fair, even throw the right? goddamn ball. Jared Goff, yeah, Jared Goff couldn't even throw the goddamn ball. That's how bad, that's how hurt he was. Yeah. Couldn't even throw the goddamn ball. That is, said, look, we're just gonna hand this ball off every single play because we know you're hurt and you can't throw the ball. And David Blau was healthy; he was there, and they they felt like they're a better, you know, the best chance to win that game was to have a handicapped Jared Goff just hand the ball off every single play. Yeah, I, I um, think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be two. I think, especially like what Pierre's bringing up in like this time where. COVID cases are not as big and like guys are not really going to be missing as probably 
probably won't get guys going on the COVID list as often as it was last year in the last two years, I should say. Um, I just don't see much value of carrying three quarterbacks, truthfully. Like if if it is COVID and like a guy could go out any second, yeah, I see the value of it. But right now, I mean, you really only need two quarterbacks active during game day. It's kind of a waste to have three of them activated on game day. So I, I think truthfully, it's going to be Tim Boyle unless he has some injury in camp and Blau ends up stepping in to be the back quarterback. But if I had to predict right now, I think it's going to be those two guys, Boyle and Goff. Okay. Um, yeah, let's talk about the RBs because this is a lot more, a lot more fun to talk about than that that quarterback room. <laughs> so RB room didn't really do much additions to it, but. I think a lot of Lions fans are okay with that because the running back room was really good for this team last year. Um, a lot of different guys stepped up. So you still got DeAndre Swift, obviously. You still got Jamal Williams, obviously. And then that's when it gets really interesting. You got the Godwin Ikebukes. You got the Jamal Jeffersons. You got the Craig Reynolds. And then they brought in a UDFA, uh, Greg Bell. I think is it. Yeah, Greg Bell. Um, so that is your running back room right now. How are you guys overall feeling it? about this running back room. Malcolm, I know you're a running back guy. How are you feeling about this unit right now? I mean, just like last year, I like it a lot. I just hope that they could just remain healthy. I think the offensive line and our, our weapons um, offensively now, our weapons that can stretch the field, is going to be it's gonna give them more opportunities. I think you're going to see less, you know, eight-man boxes, eight, nine-man boxes. So they'll, they're going to have room to, you know, do their thing. So as long as they can stay healthy, I think we can have a – there's a chance that we could have a – I'm, I'm not going to say a breakout running back this year. I think so. I think we have a chance. So usually, um, usually you carry around three to four running backs, assuming Swift and Jamal Williams are probably going to be locks. After that, you got it, you know the Craig Reynolds, you got the Godwin Ikebukes, you got the Jamar Jefferson, then you got a UDFA and Greg Bell. If you had to choose one of those guys, who is the guy that intrigues you the most out of those guys I just mentioned? So after Swift and Williams, you're yeah, talking about after Swift and Williams. After Swift and Williams, who intrigues you the most? Craig Craig Reynolds. Craig Reynolds. Yeah, Craig Reynolds proved that he could, you know, he could carry the load if you know something bad happens and he was a running back. He could carry the load. Godwin's so I think a he, machine. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Godwin. He. I mean, I know he does plays multiple positions. He plays, you know, the kick return. He plays running back, but man, I don't. He was he don't have to um, have a really big preseason, I think, to get him on this football team. And then Jefferson got her, and we haven't seen Bell. Maybe Bell was it Craig Bell? Yeah, maybe Craig Bell. Craig Bell. Um, Greg Bell. Greg Bell. Yeah, maybe Bell like shows us some stuff in the preseason and stuff. We'll see. But I think right now the top three would be Swift, Williams, and Reynolds. I don't know if they'd carry three or four. Let's see what they did last year. I think last year they carried four because it could be okay. Last year they carried four. Yeah. Because it could oh, be yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. They did carry four. Yeah. I think so it's we'll a good see. idea to carry four because running backs do tend to get hurt a lot, especially our running backs for some reason. They tend to get hurt. So, yeah, I think it's good to carry four. I think okay. also with running backs is like you could always have a guy in a practice squad and call him up. That's basically what Craig Reynolds was. He was on the practice squad. They called him up. He was ready to go. I don't necessarily think. Um. Yeah, I mean that that was because we were bang we were really banged up last year. You know, Swift yeah. went down, Jamal Williams went down. I mean, you had to yeah, I had to call somebody up. Jefferson That's also another thing too. to mention too. These, yeah, these two starters, too. they have they have injury, uh, they've had injury issues, especially Swift. So maybe you do carry for it as insurance. Yeah. I think I think it's a must. I think it's a must. I think you have to carry for yeah. it. Yeah. 
And then I think that's where it gets interesting because I'm in agreement with both of you guys. I think Craig Reynolds could be the three on this team. And then I think it gets interesting for the four spot. I think that maybe opens up the spot for Ikebuke, even though you guys mentioned the fumbling issues, but he has the versatility to play the returner and running back. So honestly, he might be, if you have Swift and Jamal healthy, he might be more valuable on game days to be activated over a guy like Reynolds. Because if you have Swift and Williams activated, there's not really much of a point to activate Reynolds at that point. And then maybe you activate a guy that has more versatility like Ikebuke. Yeah, unless yep. somebody unless somebody could take his job. Unless someone could take his job. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, um, as, as a kick returner, if you, somebody takes a job as a kick returning, then he's not really needed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. I think uh, when we get into this group in a second, uh, Khalif Raymond's a guy you could look at that to maybe have more expanded role in special teams. Because last year, even though he was our punt returner, um, I think we could look to him to be our like main, uh, like our only punt returner, kick returner, just because I think he could have a lesser role on offense now because we have some other guys. We got DJ Shark, got Jameson Williams coming in. So I think we could re- rely less on Khalif on the offense side of the ball and maybe use him more in that gadget type role, special teams more. And that right. can maybe take a spot away from Godwin Kabuke. And then maybe you give it to that Greg Bell or you give it to that Jamar Jefferson or whoever it may be. But that's that's where it gets scary for a guy like Kabuke. He can be more of a bubble this year compared to last year. Yep. All right. Well, since we're on the conversation already, let's go to the wide receiver core because it is a complete 180. When you compare last year's receiving core at this time to this year's receiving core at this time, uh, it's young, it's young, but we know a lot more about this group than we did last year. So coming back, returning in this this unit, as far as the locks and I think the starters are guys that you expect to be on this team, Amon Ross and Brown for sure after his breakout year. Um, Josh Reynolds, they brought him back. And then I just mentioned Khalif Raymond. Those are guys that I wouldn't necessarily – I'm in Ross, obviously, a lock. But I want to say necessarily all three of those guys are all immediate locks. I think they have a good shot to beat the team. But those are the guys that we know. Those are the I guys put returning. Cephas in there. And Cephas, too. too, as well. I was just going to mention him as well. And Quintez Cephas. And then the new additions you have into this unit, you got 
um, DJ Stark, and you got the rookie wide receiver, Jamison Williams. And then if you want to have stock on some other guys, that's really about it. Yeah, it's just Jamison Williams and DJ Stark. So overall, how are you guys feeling about this wide receiver unit right now, um, just on this team? How do you think it's going to perform? I do want to mention one thing also. Like the other guys real fast, Tom Kenny, Khalil Pimpleton, Josh Johnson, and um, Trinity Benson and Corson. One kid that's impressed so far in like mini camp or whatever you want to call it is Khalil Pimpleton. CMU. That's a kid out of Central, yeah. Local kid. Um, they brought him in as an undrafted free agent. They signed him. They like – I don't know if he could push Khalif Raymond, but maybe you could kind of stash him as your eventual Khalif Raymond replacement, like on the practice squad or something. And if like Khalif goes down or you need a returner or you need a gadget guy, then he could be your guy this year. I feel like yeah. we have to kind of, I put him on the bubble looking out right now, but he could, we'll see what he does. Obviously we have training camp and all that, but so far the early signs are really good on him. This receiving core is interesting. I think we're going to have to let go of a good player because I look at it right now. I'm in Ross St. Brown. He's going to be on the starting football. He's going to be a starting receiver. Jamison Williams, once he's healthy, he's going to be a starting receiver. DJ Shark is going to be a starting receiver for your team. Um, then I think it gets really, really interesting. Who's going to be that wide receiver for, for your team? And that's where I think training camps and preseason is going to really come into play because you're going to have guys like Quintus Cephas, guys like Josh Reynolds, they're really going to be competing for that spot because I think for the fifth spot where you're going to go, what Pierre was just mentioned and alluding to right now, you're going to probably go to more of a returner, more gadget type player. If that's Khalif Raymond, if that's Pimpleton, whoever it might be, you're probably going to go towards that more of a direction with the fifth receiver spot, but the fourth receiver spot, and usually you only want to carry five receivers on a team. You maybe carry six, but five is really usually the key number you look for when you're carrying receivers. I think it's going to be really interesting to watch out for guys like Reynolds and Cephas and who ends up winning that, that fourth spot, in my opinion. Man. Yeah, I think Reynolds, like, the guaranteed money was $2.75 million, right? And he has that connection with Goff. I would count Reynolds safe right now. I think it carries six this year. I was thinking about it. So six? you have your – because Jamison Williams is probably not going to be ready week one anyways. Mm-hmm. So let's say he starts on pop or whatever. He's going to be hurt, right? So – Technically, it's going to be five on the active roster if he's on pop, yeah, right? That's fine. So you'll have Chark, uh, St. Brown, Reynolds, Reynolds, Cephas, and Raymond. Yeah. And obviously, JMO, but JMO's probably out week one, I'm assuming. We'll see. If he's ready, I mean, that, that'd be nice. But I think so, it's six, bro. I agree. I agree with you, but I'm saying once everyone's healthy, I think that's when the interesting decision comes in. And you, you bring a great point. Jameson Williams could miss some time, and probably would be ideally to, for him to miss some time. You don't want to rush him back. I, I don't. I mean, if he's ready, he's ready. But you don't want to rush him back if he's not 100. Yeah. percent And not to mention, like I don't like necessarily bringing this up, but DJ Chark was banged up last year. You so if you have Jameson Williams and Chark already kind of dealing with injuries or like, you know. An injury from last year, you need depth. Yeah. Those two guys are down, you're screwed. Right? Like you need yeah. depth. So I think you keep six. The way we're going at the quarterback room, if we stick to two, if you only carry three running backs, we're opening up some roster spots where you could do more of this flexibility and carry six receivers. That was just where I want to go really quickly. But yeah, go ahead. Okay. 
No, I was, I was gonna say, man, this actually this receiving core, man, makes me happy. I, I really like what what we did here with this receiving core. We have a lot of speed, man. That's that's exciting this year, and especially when you know they're all healthy. You know, we get Jamison Williams back, um, and you know, depending on where DJ DJ Shark is, I'm pretty sure he's healthy and he's gonna be good to go. There's not gonna be no setbacks for DJ, DJ Shark, but um, yeah, man, I, I love the speed on this offense, man, and. This wide receiving core is, like you said, man, they pulled a 180 on this one, man. It's a completely different wide receiving core. And I think this is going to be one of the strengths on our offense, man. So this is this is, this is great, man. Even though, like you said, we may lose a you know a really good receiver at the end of the day because they're going to have to cut somebody. Um, I think that's best-case scenario. I think that's something that you'd rather have versus no being a situation that we had in last year where we're like, uh, Trini Benson, you know, you're our starter. Kadero Hodge, <laughs> no, Hodge you're, you're our starter, you know. So I think we we're gonna have any situations like that. I can tell you that. So as far as Quintez Cephas, man, I think I think he is the better player when you're talking about him and um Josh Reynolds. Even though Josh Reynolds has a connection with Jared Goff, if you look last year, um before he got hurt, he was the guy. He was our number one receiver in the, with that terrible offense that we had going on at that point. I do feel like if he would have been healthy during that Ben Johnson stretch. He would have had a phenomenal year. It would have been between him and him and uh, Amal Rossi Brown. I think both of them would have had two um, solid seasons. They would end the season really solid if he would have stayed healthy with Ben Johnson. I think Ben Johnson would open up things for him. So I think he's a better receiver, man. And he has the, the way higher upside. So if you ask me right now, who I think if they did have a battle, which I think is going to come down to them too. Who's gonna win that battle? I think it might be Quintus Cephas, man. I think you also have to look long run, long term too. Maybe you want to keep both these guys right now, but if Cephas could end up proving to be the long term guy, because after Jameson Williams, after Amon Ross St. Brown, that's when it gets interesting long term, blue eyes, because DJ Chark's only on a one year deal. Josh Reynolds, technically a two year deal, but it could be a one year deal if you want it to be that way, and. You still have the question is Jared Goff, the quarterback, past the season. And that's something he's going to have to prove this year. So they might keep both of them this year and just see who's the better long term guy and a guy who's going to perform for them right now. So, the, and with Jamison Williams' injury, Sharks' injury history, maybe Peter's onto something. Maybe you carry both these guys going into the season. And Cephas also, like he was hurt last year too, right? So, yeah. yeah. You have three guys basically coming off injuries that, that are going to play hopefully a big role in your offense, right? Or like at least your top five receivers, three of them are coming off big injuries. JMO, yeah. Chark, and Cephas. Yep. So yeah. you need depth. I'm not, I, yeah, I'm glad that we have the depth. So you don't have to rush these guys. If these guys are not ready to start, I mean, like JMO is he's not gonna be ready. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's gonna be ready. We could he shock us and be ready week one? It's a possibility. It's possible. But I don't I don't I don't think he will. I don't think he's gonna start yeah. week one. The way Holmes was talking, it seems like they're, they're not gonna, gonna rush it. Little, they're gonna be cautious. And like Williams, the way Williams talks, like, yo, I'm ready to play now, but that's every player, right? Yeah, I think why, it's better. Why to be should cautious. they rush him? I mean, there's yeah, literally there's no zero point. reason to rush him. The guy's coming off a torn ACL happened in uh what early January. January. Yeah, I mean, dude, there's no need to rush it. And it's not like even if we did have these expeditions to win a division or have these big aspirations, I'd still say don't rush him. But we're not even there yet. Yeah. And so there's like there's no reason to rush a guy like James and yeah. Williams. Let him sit and back. If you look at like even like when when we were doing the mock drafts and bringing damn near the whole receiving core back, they don't need a guy to come in day one and be the number one receiver right away. Exactly. Um, they could they could they could be patient 
and have a guy rest. And like I, I had him drafted in Mechie, you know, so I thought they were going to get him, but they ended up getting the better guy. So that makes me even better. <laughs> but like, like same situation, you don't have to rush him. He's coming off injury. Let him rest when he's healthy. Play him in. And once he's healthy, you know, him and Monrose Brown, uh, DJ Shark, they're going to go to work, man. They, that's going to so, be a very, very explosive offense. I was thinking about like a target date. Let's say he does start the year on pop. So they have a buy in week six, week seven versus Dallas. He could come back. I, I think that's like that's probably the worst case scenario. I'd say probably like if he starts on pup, right? But if they think he could be ready, like maybe within three weeks, then you, he has to make the initial fifty-three man roster, and then I think after that has to be placed on IR. Yeah, because uh, if you put him on IR before the initial fifty-three, he's out for the, he whole, year. the whole year. Yeah, he's missed the whole year. So, but if he if he makes the initial fifty-three, only missed the first three weeks. So it's not bad. So typically what teams do, they'll like cut a veteran. They'll tell them we'll bring you back on a one-year deal. Yep. But like not a lot of guarantees. They bring the guy back on a one-year deal. The Lions did That's that. That's typically what happens. Oh, with Logan, we'll, yeah, with the tight end. With Logan Thomas, yep. Yeah. Yeah, they did it too. Yeah, a lot of teams I think they placed the Sean Hand on IR. I think it was. I forgot when they did that. I don't know who the what the corresponding – I think it was Hand. I don't, I don't remember exactly what the corresponding move was to do that. But yeah, if you do with the veteran, you have that mutual connection where like we're gonna bring you back. He has a mutual connection that we're gonna come back. Then yeah, there's yeah, that's just kind of it's kind of a loophole to making that move. So you could uh, uh avoid less time of the guy missing. So if Jameson Williams only needs to miss three weeks instead of six weeks, because Puppy has missed the first six weeks, um, that's obviously three different that's three whole games. So, so like, significant difference. Yeah, what you could do, for example, let's say Garrett, the tight end, Garrett Gilbert, the blocker, whatever. He may, he's I think he's on a veteran minimum deal. Yeah. So let's say you want him on the roster. What you do, you put JMO on. Then once he's on this, you place him on IR, and then you re-sign Garrett. Uh, is it Gilbert? Griffin, Griffin my uh, bad. Garrett Griffin. Griffin. Yeah, they could do that with a lot of guys on the team so <laughs> if they if it got to that point. So yeah. I think we'll be I think we'll be fine. And that's probably what it ends up gonna. That's probably end up what's gonna happen. I I don't think they want to place JMO on pup just because if he does progress faster, why not maybe get up sooner rather than later if you could, you know? So like, why not do this? You know, you're gonna get the guy back, and max or and then you know minimum he only missed three weeks, and then he could kind of return at any point. So. I, I think that's probably a little direction they'll end up going with that. So let me ask a really cool question before we move on, man. Um, yeah. the three undrafted free agents that they picked up, Josh Johnson, um, Khalil Pimbleton, and um Corey Sumpton. Do you do they have a shot at making this roster? Like I know every year we have that one guy that just comes yeah. out of nowhere and make the roster. Do you think one of these guys could push one of these vets out the door? Right now, I'd say no, but like I want to see more in camp. Pimpleton, I think right now is a maybe or like a practice squad guy, right? But if they if like if he shows more in training and they're like, yo, this guy is actually looks dynamic, he looks real good and stuff. Maybe you could push Khalif Raymond off the roster, even though they guaranteed him some money. Yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough because I think this this unit's pretty much set right now with the guys that they have yeah. with the with the veterans and the young guys they have right now. I think it's pretty much set right there. I think if anyone were to be outside, it would have to be in the return kit, like in the return ability. He's got to be a really good receiver, a really good gadget player, and he's got to be a really good returner. So maybe Pimpleton could end up being that guy, and they're scared that a team would claim him. So maybe they would want to secure his spot. I think that's possible. But I really think Khalif Raymond was good for this football team last year. I think they really liked what he did for this football team last year to kind of step in in big moments as a receiver, step in as a returner. 
So I, I, if I say right now it's May, and obviously things could change once we get into late July, early August, but I, I think it's going to be pretty stiff for one of these guys to step in and, and take a spot. So I just looked at, just to like PK, I looked at Josh Reynolds' contract and Cleve Raymond. I mean, if you wanted to cut him with Raymond, you have a 2.85 dead cap hit. And then with Reynolds, you would have, I think, like 2.76. So, like, it wouldn't necessarily hurt you if you cut them. You'd like 2.8 million, 2.7 million, or something like that cap hit. So, if there is a rookie that just pushed those guys out, I think, because they said it themselves, like, they're not scared to play younger guys if they're better. Like, last year, we saw that last year. They, they played a lot of young guys. So, if I don't think it's going to happen, but if, let's say, Pimpleton pushed Khalif Raymond, I did like, all right, let's just cut our ties or try to trade Khalif, maybe get something out of him, like a sixth or seventh round pick, and you roll with what's his face with Pimpleton. I don't that's see possible. that happening, but we'll see. Yeah, that's possible. I think it's gonna be pretty tough though, because I think both those guys that we just mentioned did really good things for this football team last year. I think they're guys to rely on for sure. So I don't see it right now. Yeah, they have to have one hell of a preseason. <laughs> they would have to be a hell of a preseason. Yep. Yeah. Training right. camp too. Yep. Right, yeah, both of them. All right, let's move on to the tight end position. So your tight end group right now, you got TJ Hawkinson. He's obviously going to be your one. Then I think it gets really interesting after that, who's going to be tight end two. You got the guy that I just mentioned, Garrett Griffin, James Mitchell, the guy they drafted in the fifth round from Virginia Tech, Brock Wright from Notre Dame, second year undrafted guy, played pretty soft for this football team last year. And then Shane, Z- Shane Zilstra, I always mispronounce this guy's name, I believe yeah. had a an Achilles injury late into the season last year. So he might actually have to miss some time, you know, going to training camp. Um, but that's your tight end group right now. Uh, overall, high. Oh, who are the other guys? Derek Dees Jr. and Nolan Gibbon. Those are undrafted guys. Honestly, I don't know much about those guys. No, you're good. But, like, maybe they could push Brock Wright or someone. I don't know. Overall, how are you guys feeling about this unit? Hawkins is obviously the clear-cut one. But after that, how are you guys feeling? Um, I think the depth is a little shaky. Like, if Hot goes down, you know, I said earlier, quarterback was probably the weakest position. Maybe I might take that this back is, and say tight end. Tight end depth. Tight end depth, I'd probably say. Tight end depth is not the best. If Hot goes down, and, you know, Mitchell's coming off a torn ACL also, I mean, I got to see Dees Jr. and Given. I don't know what those guys are, but they went, they're undrafted, so I'm guessing they went undrafted for a reason, right? Um. I don't know, Tyler. Gary Griffin's more of a blocker. Brock Wright, we saw last year, showed a little flashes. It's not much there right now. It's just not. Zilstra wasn't really much of a story. He had three catches for 34 yards last year. So Yeah, it's not. And he had injury. There's not much there. So maybe this is like when, you know, when the waiver wire hits or like if a guy could be made available for like a sixth or seventh round pick or something. Or, you know, there's probably still some veterans out there. I don't know. We'll see. Not 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 really that good. Also, Hawkinson has an injury history also, so it's not – it doesn't look good. Who would you consider the backup tight end like this early into it right now? Would, you be, would it be Griffin Wright. or Wright? I go with Brock Wright because he was here last year. He was an undrafted free agent, and I would say tight end three right now because James Mitchell coming out of ACL. It's probably Griffin, and four is Mitchell. So it's Hawk, yeah. Wright, Griffin, Mitchell. And – Mitchell might be one of those guys too, where you you might start him on IR or maybe even pop too, because he's coming off the ACL. He's not doing much right now in in mini camp, so he might not be ready for the start of the season. So, I mean, yeah, the depth here is shaky. I thought Brock Wright did some good things for this football team last year once Hawkinson went down, 
Um, had yeah, 11 catches decent. for 115 yards, two touchdowns. So, like, I mean, that's very solid for the amount of games that he played. Um, only played in how many games did he play? He played in I can't find it, but regardless, solid numbers, and it was good for this football team towards the end of the year. So I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. Griffin again hasn't really been much of a offensive threat in his career. Is really just known to be a blocker. Comes from Dan Campbell's former team, the New Orleans Saints, the veteran guy right there. So maybe you bring him onto the team to be tight end three. But yeah, I'm with you, man. The, the depth on this unit, like if Hawkinson were to go down, I know Brock Wright did some good things last year, but it gets really shaky at that tight end position after Hawkinson. Oh, we've got uh, one player, running back slash fullback slash tight end, Jason Carpenda. We yeah, didn't rank him up. Wow, he's, he's a lot. Sure. He's a lot. Yeah, I don't know what you want to call him, tight end, fullback. Whatever. I was going to consider him a fullback, yeah. Yeah. I'm not too yeah. worried, man. I'm gonna be honest. I'm not too worried about the fullback position. I mean, the, the tight end position. I mean, it's, it's common. It's, this is something that always happens. Like you look at the Chiefs. So who's behind Travis Kelsey? I don't know. Yeah. Tyler, you and Tyler. You and Tyler. <laughs> exactly. I mean, teams that has like really good, great tight end, their backup is not like phenomenal. I mean, they're right. serviceable. I mean, I think our guys are serviceable. I mean, Brock Wright, he showed last year he's serviceable. Not great. He's not gonna have elite numbers, but can he get you a touchdown? Yeah. Can he make? Can he make uh, catches? Um, contested catches. He showed that last year. He could had a hell of a touchdown. Hell, hell of catches. So, I think, I think our tight end room is is just calm. It's normal. I mean, when you look at a roster, you can't just you can't expect to have everything checked off. You know, you right. can't. Right. It's, 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 it's right. not realistic to have it like that. So, uh, yeah, I mean, to, this to have TJ Hawkins as a starter, which is elite potential. Could he? Yeah, he had elite potential, but he's not. He's not elite. <laughs> but he has elite potential to be an elite tight end in this league. And then when you look behind that. You have guys who are serviceable, so I'm I'm okay with a tight end room. I have no issues with it. Um, I do think Brock Wright will be our tight end too, because he's shown if you know something happened to TJ, he could come in right away and and produce. And that's yeah. what he showed last year. I think he had like he had a chemistry with our with our OC as well. And you know, Ben Johnson was worked well with them um, towards that 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 late stretch of the season last year. So yeah, I think I think Brock Wright would be on tight end two. Then you look at Griffin as tight end three. Yeah, I don't I know where Mitchell is as far as like his health wise. I don't know where he's at. Yeah, I I think uh, after after Hawkinson and after Wright, I think I mean after that you don't really have much offensive threat. So I think oh, it would yeah. have to be a right. So yeah, I, I, if both of them goes down, then you could say okay, we're fucked. I, I think <laughs> I think eventually like mid season or whatever. I think hopefully mid season Mitchell could take that tight end two spot. Right, that's the that's hope spot. Yeah. Yeah, so, they, they were saying uh, that he was phenomenal. He was, they were saying phenomenal, Virginia. Uh, Virginia. He came from Virginia, right? Virginia, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Virginia yeah. Tech. So, yeah, they're, they're, people are saying he was phenomenal, but before he got the injury, he's an athlete, man. He's he's really athletic when you watch him. Um, he's just he was hurt. That's why he fell. Like a lot of teams had like a third or fourth round grade on him, and he fell because of his injury. No, it's tough. It's gonna be tough for him because not, he's hurt. I don't know where he is health wise, and playing tight end is not easy in the NFL. Coming from college is not easy, man. You're coming from blocking kids to now blocking grown ass men. So like if he wasn't blocking? injured, his blocking needs a little work. Uh, I'm yeah, saying like if he a... wasn't injured, he would have probably been a third or fourth round pick. But yeah, yeah his blocking very, very possible. He's shown flashes here and there, but it needs some work. Uh I think they mainly drafted him because of his uh receiving skills. He almost looks like yeah. another receiver. He looks like a, just a big receiver. He he's looks like yeah. He's, yeah, I mean, he's athletic, man. He runs. I, 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 I don't like I don't like those type of receivers that much. 
You mean tight ends? Because it, it, yeah, uh, yeah, tight ends. Because then you come, you, your offense become predictable, man. It's like when we had Eric Ebron. It's like whenever they substitute Eric Ebron, it was like, yo, are they gonna run the ball? Yeah, <laughs> but mean, Eric Ebron came back on the field like, all right, they're gonna pass the ball. Yeah, no, but Malcolm like he put him and Hawker on the field maybe together. Yeah, his blocking. Like, what I'm looking he, at is all right. What happened with the situation where T.J. Hawkinson is hurt and Brock Wright's hurt, and then now we're playing Mitchell as our tight end? What are we gonna do? Well, the thing is, like, he's shown flashes with his blocking. Like, it's not like trash. He just needs to work on it. He hasn't shown anything. We haven't seen anything from him. Like with coaching, with coach, like I think with good coaching, he could become a decent blocker. He could become a solid blocker, right? He has to work on that, but yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is that you know, blocking in college to block in NFL as far as tight end wise is is a different world. That's why they. It's a little of a learning curve for them because it's it's not the same blocking. You're not blocking. That goes that anymore. goes right back to your argument though. Not every team's gonna have three great tight ends or two great tight ends. And exactly. Lose, oh yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I know. If you lose the Hawkinson and right, then yeah. I mean, I think a lot of teams would be searching for what's next after that. And if that's yeah. Mitchell, if that's Griffin, whoever it may be, you know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's a big year for Hawkinson, obviously. We'll see if he's going to be a long-term piece. It seems like they really like him a lot, and they want to extend him. So we'll see what they end up doing with him. Uh, if he could end up real real that next quick, before we, before we go on, if if for some reason TJ Hawkinson gets hurt again, uh, what is your feeling on TJ Hawkinson? They might move on. Might be done. You, so you, you think might like, just if he gets play out the fifth-year option and then and see, what happens, see what happens his fifth year. If he gets hurt in his fifth year, then – yeah, like a, you don't bring him back, or you're bringing back on a prove it deal or something. Um, it's a big year for TJ. He, yeah, so if he gets hurt next year, you still have his fifth year. I think you still ride with it. Okay. If he gets hurt his fifth year, then you're like, oh, well, that's just like, okay. We're going too far now. I mean, we can't be thinking two years down yeah, the line. If no, the guy but, gets hurt, yeah. then the guy gets hurt then next year. <laughs> no, no, it's a big year for TJ. Yeah, it's a big year for TJ. Let's do. I mean, not even just his injury history. His injury history is one thing. He's got to improve as a football player, too. Yeah, he's got to improve as a football player. Yeah, he's got to improve as a football player. Yeah, he's got to be consistent. I mean, you could talk about the injuries. Yeah, but he's sometimes a non-factor in these football games, and he's got to be a factor. Sometimes you're being nice. He's got to be more of a factor in these football games. He's got to become one of your top guys on offense. If you want to extend him and want to pay him to be a guy, he's got to be a top three option in this offense. One thing we haven't really talked about as much on the show is like when you have a guy like JMO healthy and Chark, it's going to open up the middle for Hawkinson and St. Brown. Um, so hopefully that will help Hawk maybe less attention to him, more attention to like when you have a guy like JMO, you have to have a safety back there. If you're playing man to man, you got to pray to God that JMO doesn't beat you, right? So. Yeah. I, the I middle mean, is going to be. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think. A, I don't think a coordinator will go man to man. There's less eyes on Hawkinson now, definitely compared to this year, compared to last year. There's less eyes on Hawkinson as far as defense. As a blocker, though, he's got to improve his own football as a football player. He's and improves a like, football player. His yak, bro. Like every time he catches the ball, the dude gets tackled. I think you could look at everything about T.J. Hawkinson. He can improve on. There's not one thing he's like right there. He's an elite guy. At. He's good at some things. He's bad at some things. But he's just got to come overall a good football player. And you know, if he wants to be the guy that he thinks he could be, and the guy that I think he could be, with the money that he's gonna get, he's gotta be a top three guy in this offense, a top three threat on this offense. I don't care if it's one, two, or three. He's gotta be one of those three guys. Top four is fine because you know you're kind of loaded. You got 
St. Brown, J-Mo, Charcock, I guess. I want Hawkinson. I, want like Hawkinson. I, I need Hawkinson in that top three. <laughs> if I'm going to pay mean, him, if he wants to be paid the way he wants to be paid, he's got to be a top three guy in my offense. Yeah, that's fair. There's no reason There's no reason why he shouldn't be, man. I think the whole – like, the attention is going to be everywhere else. So, so I think he's going to have his opportunities. Yeah. yeah. I mean – I mean, people, the the money he's going to get, he's going to get top seven money, tight end money in the NFL. Probably so he's 12 to, to 14. So he's got, okay, if you're making 12 to $14 million a year, you got to be a top three player in my offense. There's no because there's, Joku, and Joku's making 13 a year, I think. There's, he's not going to, I don't think you'll see not one double team this year. When everybody's on, who's on the field. Yeah, depending on who's on the field. Right, yeah. When everybody's on the field, they're, they're, he's not going to get double team. You just can't double everybody. And Joku got yeah. what do you get here? Let's see. I want to see something here. So where did Joku go to? He went to he went to a different team, didn't he? Oh my bad. So the franchise tag is ten point nine three one, and that's what in Joku he got tagged at ten point nine. Went back to Cleveland. Yeah, you went, went back to Cleveland, right? That's but I read like they're trying to sign into an extension, I think, or something. I don't know. Cleveland's weird. I mean, he's right in that market. I think with like Dallas Goddard. What did Dallas Goddard get? Like thirteen, I think, fourteen. Dallas Goddard, uh, let's look at it right now. So I think TJ gets somewhere around that same market. Wherever Goddard got, he's, he's around that same Goddard player. got um, 14.25. Yeah, that makes sense. Four yeah, years, that's 57 what, mil. That's what Hawkinson's going to get. I mean, if it's from Detroit or a different team, that's what Hawkinson's going to get. So I want to see more before I fully commit that much money to him. I want to make sure he's for sure a top three player on my offense if I'm committing that much money towards him. Yeah. All right. Let's go to the offensive line. Let's start with the tackles. You guys know the two starters are obviously with Taylor Dyke and Pene Sewell. After that, they didn't really do much or anything outside of a couple of UDFAs uh, at the tack position. So you still got Matt Nelson, still got Dan Skipper. They brought a tackle from TCU. How am I saying that? How do you say his name, Pierre? Ezza? How the hell do you say his first name? I think it's Obina Ezza. Obina Ezza. Obina Ezza. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. Something along those lines. And that's your tackle depth right now. Um, so Decker, Sewell, obviously starting left tackle, starting right tackle. After that, Malcolm, how are you feeling about this tackle position? Did you think they would maybe address it in free agency, maybe address it in the draft, get a, another swing guy or um, – are you okay with a guy like Nelson or Skipper being that guy, or maybe even Ezza in TCU? Just look at a roster. As far as like, there's really no guy that's like stands out. As far as like a, a great swing tackle, I, I'm gonna say Matt Nelson, man, Nelson. because Matt Nelson showed last year that um even like he, he's versatile. You could use him as tight end, and when they use him as tight end, you, you saw that's where a lot of the running game. Um, they got a lot of big chunks in the running game when they had Matt Nelson that playing as and they tight ran end. that high school offense. <laughs> You're using him as an extra tight end. Um, they were getting a lot of running room, so I think Matt Nelson is probably the the favorite to win that swing tackle role. It's not looking too great though. I mean, if one of our tackles go down, and you're looking at Matt Nelson, he's a liability. But then again, look at Dan Skipper; he's also a liability. I don't know about Obi. I'm gonna call him Obi. Um, Obi, I don't know how how he plays. Is he is Obi better than Matt Nelson and Dan Skipper? I'm just seeing training camp. I have well, no idea how he yeah. plays. 
That'd be nice. It would be a nice because I, I I'm, I'm with you. I'm not really too confident in Nelson. I'm not really too confident in Skipper to start multiple games if one of our guys went down. So you kind of hope that a guy like a UDFA like uh, I I like the nickname Obi Obi Essa <laughs> could maybe step yeah, in and uh um you know maybe be that guy maybe be the tight end or not tight end the tackle three on this team and then that'd be ideal because Nelson like you said if it's in that certain package, that's cool. You could use him in those certain type of plays. But as far as a guy that is going to start at offensive tackle for a whole game, if needed to be, it gets a little suspect there. And then Dan Skipper, same thing. I mean, it yeah. really doesn't get much of an opportunity in regular season, but training camp, you know, he's, he's been up and down. Yeah. When we saw last year, when, when the Matt Nelson did start, we, as far as tackle, we see him last year. I mean, he didn't give up a lot of sacks, but damn it, he gave up a whole lot of pressures. I mean, it was yeah. like record breaking numbers of the amount of pressures he was giving up when he, when he started for us as tackle. So it was, it's not good. Um, yeah, we don't have a reliable guy like back then. Like when we had Terrell Crosby, we were like, all right, we have a reliable swing tackle. You know, somebody goes down, Terrell Crosby don't come in. Not give up much pressures, not give up any sacks. You, you know, we have a reliable guy. We don't have that right now. We don't have that right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. We got to see it. One thing with Matt Nelson, though, I think they like him a lot because they just converted him from a defensive lineman to an offensive tackle. I think this is going to be his third year, right? Entering third year, yeah. the NFL. Yeah. Third year as yeah. an offensive lineman. Year three. So I don't think they feel like he's reached his potential yet. I think they like him as a swing tackle. And you could tell just by the way the draft went, free agency went. They didn't sign anyone. They didn't draft anyone to really necessarily compete with him. They did sign that as a kid. I think he's more of a guy to compete with Skipper. Um, I think they're really confident in Matt Nelson, and I think they love like they like him as their swing tackle right now. Yeah. If I, 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 I predict, I think that. it's gonna be Nelson out of the guys they have right now. I agree with that, especially if you use them like some running plays. You could use them in a, as a, the extra tight end, sure. Yeah, and what Hank has done with him too, like over the past. Bro, when you go like from one position to another, it's hard, especially sides of the ball, and you have to learn how to play the left side and the right side. It's hard to, just to begin with, right? Oh, playing left tackle, right tackle is already hard. But when you're playing defensive lineman, then you have to learn how to play the left tackle and right tackle. You basically have to learn to write with both hands, kind of on both sides of the ball. That's hard. So I think um, this year he's going to be better. I actually like Matt Nelson. He's not bad. Yeah. He's not. He's not. He's not terrible. He doesn't give he's him not, a sack. He has to work in his pass pro. The run game. I just don't like him as a starter. That's a problem. Yeah. Like if they, yeah, <laughs> in the fourth quarter, you need a fourth quarter drive. I mean, I just don't trust Matt Nelson to just, keep the pocket just, clean. I mean, if you send help on his side, he could be okay for a game. Like, say we need him to start, and you just have him like a tight end chip, running back chip the guy every play. Yeah, he might be fine. But damn it, he gave us so many pressures last year. It was it wasn't wasn't but good. Who, like who's he, made, he made the whole he made the whole O line look bad. Forty one pressures and three sacks. Who's your tight end though? Is that Griffin? Is that is that where Griffin comes in? Like who's this big blocking tight end that we're counting? It has to be Griffin, right? Because you don't have Aaron Bell's anymore. To just chip the guy. Like I mean, just you use anybody. You use anybody to chip the guy. Not chip, but like if you want to help him, like you know, like back in the day when we had Greg Robinson, he was terrible at tackle, and they had Darren Fells essentially as another offensive lineman. Who is that guy you're counting on? This is it Griffin? I guess so. uh, if he makes the roster, yeah, it's probably Griffin. He's like your blocking mm-hmm. guy. Because if you need that, to send, yeah, if you need a guy, because after that, yeah. I mean, Hawkinson, he's not a proven blocker right now, at least not a proven good one. Um, James Mitchell is a rookie, uh, has a lot of flaws, and Brock Wright again. Good solid tight end, but nothing like spectacular. I mean, as you remember, you're just using that guy's help, 
they don't have to be really great. No, I'm some chips here and there. Yes, and, chips yeah. here and there. Just, I'm, just, I'm just thinking hit, just I'm, hit I'm, a guy. Thinking of, I'm thinking of 2017 with Darren Fells with Greg Roberts. That's what I'm thinking yeah. of. No, you just need you just may need a guy to just chip that 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 edge guy every play, so he doesn't have that full burst to just get around Nelson. I think Nelson, yeah. his um, feet, like he, yeah, he needs to work with that. One so, thing we haven't really mentioned is Big V. If you need him, he could play left tackle and he could play right tackle. Not ideal, but I think he's better than Dan Skipper and probably better than is. Matt Nelson. But then, then who are you gonna kick? Who are you gonna kick inside? Um, what do you have here? You have Tommy Kramer. You have Evan Brown. Stenberg. You sure can. You have Evan Brown if he wants to you know play what? guard. You know what? Let's jump into that. We're, we're the guards. The, the interior lineman. I mean, I have the list here. Should I read it, Tyler? Or you got the list too? Go for it. Yeah. So your starters at left guard is Jonah, center, Ragnall, and Big V. And then the backups, Logan Stenberg, Evan Brown, Tommy Kramer. And then your third stringers, Zen, Obeyed, Ryan McCullum, and Kevin Jarvis. Seen, oh Obeyed, and Jarvis are undrafted. I can't watch another game with Ryan McCollum. <laughs> I can't watch another game with Ryan McCollum. He was so bad last year, man. I remember again, last though, year. Tyler. That's undrafted kid, right? No, I'm um, done. No, I, he's done. He's done, dude. It, it got so bad to the point they had to put Jonah at center last year in a Week 18 he, game versus the Packers. No, he's done. He yeah. was he was undrafted, bro. I mean, no, he's bad. You got a bad like, player. No, I don't want we'll to watch see. him anymore. No, Bro, he's undrafted free agent. We'll see. I'm done. He's probably a practice squad guy if I had to guess. Yeah, hundred percent. He's, he's, no he's, he's the way he makes a fifty-three. He's my new Darren Paulo. Get, like I don't need to see him anymore, dude. No, <laughs> I'm not there yet. No, I am not there yet with him. He's, he's not a good football player, dude. He, he didn't show. He didn't show any flashes. He showed yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, Damn, it, was, it was it was concerning when they had to move Jonah in there. Come on, dude! In yeah, a week was, 18 game, with no like, there's nothing on the line, nothing was, on the they, line. He wasn't even playing against. Was he even playing against the starters when he did this? When he did this, they it was in the third quarter. They benched him in the third, or like going into the fourth quarter. So it was like they played the starters in the first half, and then the second half, he he, he was bad, man. He was fucking terrible. Yeah, he, he was dude. he was <laughs> he was rough. He had rough. We definitely rough around the edges, man. He was rough. Dude. You I, know what's, I don't see him making the roster. It's bad in a week 18 game right with now. zero expectations. You just want to see young players play, and you get benched by your starting guard, who you have a lot of expectations for at center. No, I, like, I don't need to see Ryan McCollum anymore. I don't need to see him. I'm done. He's done. So if a situation were to occur and we need to play um, Halapute Vaitai at tackle, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're just going to assume that's going to be Evan Brown? As or Kramer or Stenberg. I feel like Stenberg, he got hurt last year. He was having a good One camp. So let's see how yeah. he looks this year. I, um, you know what? Let me ask this question. Is there a chance? Because Evan Brown, was he played great. He played great uh, during that stretch with... Um, with Ragnar. With, with Ragnar, yeah. He played, he played really good. Mm-hmm. Is there a chance that he plays guard and takes the job from Halapute Vaitai? No, because Big V is scary. probably your best... Big V is probably your best or second best run blocker. On the, well, no, Ragnall's back this year now. But Big V is one of your best run blockers, though. I know. And I they know. they pulled in and ran the ball behind him a lot. I'll, I'll say Sewell is. But so, yeah, I mean, Ragnall, Big V, and Sewell, they're monsters in the running game. Decker's yeah. solid. Jonah's decent. Evan Brown is not really that good in the running game. He's more of a protector. So I don't see that because they want to run the ball. Okay. Yeah. 
It's going to be interesting. I think it's either Brown, Stenberg. I know this is just, it's a pretty obvious. It's one of those guys or, um, but yeah, I, th- I think it's really between Kramer, Stenberg or, or Brown. As far as one of those guys went down, I think that's going to be the competition of watching camp. Um, you probably carry two of them, two of the three. One of them probably doesn't make it. And you probably move on with your day. Maybe you carry so I don't know. The, star, the stars are set. There, there's nobody who no is shot in, moves. Yeah. No, no shot, shot. Nobody is in danger of losing their job. No shot. Left uh, your tackles completely uh, set. Your guards, yeah. I think, are completely set. And Frank right now, obviously, is completely set. So I would yeah. be stunned. I mean, yeah, bro. Like I think I actually took that back. Jonah was good in run blocking last year. Um, I just looked it up. I think, bro, your starters are good to go. And even your depth on the interior, it's good. I'm worried about the depth after Nelson. If you have Dan Skipper starting the game, that's a big problem. Yeah. No, yeah. The, interior, because, the interior is fine. Yeah. Because you have, like, I mean, Stenberg, he hasn't been healthy, but I mean, he, Kramer he showed flashes in camp. Kramer was Kramer solid. Was solid. Evan Brown is good. And we'll see what Jarvis and – um the obeyed or obeyed? I don't know. We'll see what Jarvis and Obey do. Jarvis out of MSU and Obey's out of uh, Ferris State. So, again, two local guys. I have a question that Tyler may have the answer to because Tyler has, like, this memory. Like, have we played a season where our offensive line was, like, healthy majority of the year? Last year, no. Uh, no, not uh, last year, but can you think of, like, a season where majority of our starters – well, at least the starting the – starting Like, the one, year, like when our least, offensive line got good? At least – at least played at least five to ten games together. Oh hell no, no, never. That that rarely happens in the NFL in general. It rarely happens, shit. Because Lyman, I mean, that's Lyman and D Lyman. They're always like that's physical. They're they're always uh, they're in every play. They're involved in every play. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, the, we, we look at our starters. We're like, oh yeah, but it's like when you, when you're realistic about it, it ha- it's not really common where your 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 offensive linemen all of them play together. Yeah, it's not common, man. I think like... I, if if there were to be an injury in the interior, I'm okay with it because we just mentioned three guys that I feel comfortable if they had to play multiple games, if it's Stenberg, Kramer, or Evan Brown. But we talked about it just a second ago, the tackle. It's like if Stuhl or Decker goes down, I think that's where it really gets like – we get a little question. That's a little suspect right there. So, But as far as interior, I just mentioned three guys I feel comfortable with. But tackle, I have like – a half with Nelson. Nelson's like a half right now. I don't even consider more like a full uh, confidence right now. Yeah, I, I honestly feel more comfortable how they put their vitals as swing tackle. And that's I, I, I would, I would, I but I don't possible. think they're gonna do it. I don't think they're gonna do it unless Nelson gets hurt as well. I, then I think they'll I mean, go to a mercy. With I, say, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they went to Big V and, and maybe they go to one of these interior guys because if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable with these, with these interior guys, you know why not just put your best five out there instead of putting a guy that needs a lot of help yeah yeah this is if like there's an injury obviously so the listeners know what we're talking about yeah you got it i mean you're just, we're thinking of every scenario right now so yeah yeah it's, it's may so it's, i think the starters are set in stone yeah you got decker yeah. jackson right now big v and then sewell it's a good offensive so, line dude it's a good it's offensive really line. good what's the expectation they, for the offensive line if they're if, if we see a game where they're healthy and they play some games that they're all healthy top eight dominate Dominate means I both said at the same time. Dominate. Yeah. Top eight, dominant, top seven, whatever you want to call it, man. It's a good reunit. And you, you gotta dominate the games, bro. Move move the defensive linemen, run the ball on them, keep your quarterback protected. There's a lot invested in this O line and it has to work. And I obviously this, I think it will work. 
this this unit is good for so many things for your quarterback right now, for who you, whoever you plan to be for your quarterback in the next five years. This unit is set in stone for multiple years, and that's a very very good trait to have. One, of, I think, the best trait to have outside of having an elite quarterback is having an elite offensive line, and I think you have that right now, set in stone right now. We say it was the most three important positions in football: tackle, uh, edge rusher, and quarterback. And you have the offensive line figured out right now. Yeah. Um, hopefully, you have the edge rusher figured out with your number two pick. We'll see. Yeah. I think, I think they do. do. I, I think, think we do, do too. But you know, it's a rookie. I don't want to say like we do just right away. Like it's number two overall pick, man. We can't tell you. You can't think like this, man. This is a number two overall. No, it's pick. not thinking. Like I'm saying I think we do, but I don't want to say like hundred percent we do. We you do. know, like we got to see it on the field. No, you because don't. Because we, we, we don't, we have a we have a really big problem if we don't. So we do. Yeah, we, there's yeah, no we reason to that. think as of right now from Brad Holmes' track history. There's no reason to think that you don't have that guy right now. No, dude, I love Todd Chu's my player. Absolutely so not. Hopefully, yeah, they I'm, got that in there. Um, one thing we do, we, like we didn't really mention, Jonah Jackson's also entering that third year, and I feel like this is a year where like he kind of takes that step, and it's kind of like contract. If he balls out, you get paid after this year, right? Yeah. Say if he kind of just is like up and down, kind of like how he's been sort of. He's still a young player, but if he's up and down again, then maybe you wait on paying him. Because last year he gave up thirty-five pressures, four sacks, and had eight penalties. Yeah, and he still managed to make the Pro Bowl with those numbers. How? It's beyond me. But he still, he still was good. And maybe making the Pro Bowl was could you know boost his confidence, and have him knowing that you know his that was peers. So <laughs> It sure was random. I, mean, was I, don't so random. I don't know how the hell you made it, but he did. He did. I mean, shit. He, he was good. He's a good pro player, but like for all the bitching we do about our players not making the pro bowl, that's not one guy we should bitch about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, we're bitching yeah. about like Amani and like, you know, maybe like a Jack Fox. And like, I don't know, there's some other guys we're bitching about, but like Jonah Jackson, I don't think there's a single Lions fan saying, oh, my God, Jonah Jackson got robbed not being in the Pro Bowl, and then he ended up being the guy that made the I think he was, like, yeah. the third alternate or something. There's like, so many injuries. and like yeah, guys Pro stinks, dude. That's how it always ended up being. No one wants yeah. to fucking go to that stupid-ass event. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, oh, he, he made, I mean, him being – knowing that he made the Pro Bowl, maybe that builds his confidence and have him play better. Who knows? Sure. Yeah, sure. I'm, all, sure. I'm all for it. I'm all, I'm all for it. I like Jonah. I love Jonah. I love Jonah. I'm all for it. I'm just saying, I don't know if going to the Pro Bowl is a third alternate is the most like, reward. I mean, I sure. Know. Who knows? I mean, at least he, at least he knows he's there. He's like, you he know, I'm there. there. He was there. I'm there. He, he was happy. He was happy for being there. Did I like, like, like I'm not. I like I put zero stock in the Pro Bowl. That's so I I'm sorry if like I, I don't sound enthusiastic about this. I just don't care about the Pro Bowl one bit. I don't either because it's, it's mostly yeah, it's, the fans yeah. voting and it's like Mitch Trubisky was a pro bowler. That, that's, that's what all I'm I saying. Like, I literally put zero stock to the pro bowl. I don't care about it. <laughs> the game yeah. sucks. The events suck. I think the best thing about the pro bowl is the dodgeball. Man. I really think that's the best thing about the pro bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The activities prior to the game is dope. It's probably the there's best like, thing about it. There's yeah. this event that shows like the quarterback's accuracy. Oh, that one's sick. Um, yeah. That one's sick too because it shows like which quarterback has it and which quarterback doesn't like, really have it. But I, I think you, we're going to end it here like after this. But I think we could really relate if you watch other sports. Like you watch the NBA Saturday night, you watch the NHL Saturday night, um, home run derby in baseball. 
the Pro Bowl's activities don't even compare to the other sports. The other sports are sick. The Pro Bowl ones are like they're playing in a little practice field with no fans. It's, I mean, it's terrible, dude, compared to those other sports. You about the actual game? Both. The game sucks because I feel like nobody even watches it. And then the activities, like the Saturday night, even though I mentioned mm. there's some solid ones, but it doesn't even compare to the level of I the forgot, other sports. I forgot what year just went downhill, man. It, it, it was – Exciting, like for some, like back then, I won't say back then, like it's that when far. In Hawaii? I'll probably say, yeah, it was in Hawaii, probably like 2000, what, 10, 2011, 2012. I remember on that time, I remember like the one with like Troy Palomalo and then like the, those were, yeah, good those guys, they got they, they played with pride, man. They play like they say, look, you know, we're gonna look at this is a game and we're gonna play for our name on our back and we're just gonna give the fans a show, and that's what they did. Now it's yeah. just more like, oh, I'm afraid to get hurt. Yeah, I'm I don't blame the guys, risky. you know. I I, 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 I don't blame it. It's a so, I mean, if, if you're going to feel like that, just don't play. Like, yeah. don't have the event because it's, embar- it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing right. to watch. It's not football. It's not Some football. They're, they're, right, now they're playing, right now they're playing two-hand touch. The best yes. thing about the Pro Bowl was Mac Jones doing the gritty. That was my favorite thing about the Pro Bowl, I think. <laughs> you know um, – <laughs> Mac <laughs> Jones again. <laughs> the, the thing about the Pro Bowl, I think why players support it because some like have bonus, like if they make a Pro Bowl or whatever, you get like a I don't know, fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar incentive or whatever. I don't know. Some some play some uh some agents put that in their players' contracts when they negotiate. Just yeah, I mean, just, like, you, you know, you can have the title, but damn it, don't play the game because it's an embarrassing to watch. Yeah, just have yeah, the title. Yeah, say yeah. all right, you got me. This is like the it's like all money. pro. But yeah, so this is like the year when they did the COVID. What they did a video game that year? That was I don't know. worse, man. Yeah, they played it Madden. Was, it was worse. They, they, they played saying, Madden. Like, they played Madden, but just don't even do that. Just okay, you guys made the Pro Bowl. Congrats, okay, congrats. That's it. That's it. This is what it is. You got, you got, you got your bonus. You you made the Pro Bowl, but damn it, this game is terrible. You know, they need, right. you, know that, um, you know the NFL. They need their money, dude. Another they, so overall, the guys are just bad. Let's get yeah, back to ahead, offense. Man. What are your like feelings on the offense? You feel good about it? Feel great? Feels like there's some work right now. I'd say I feel good about it, not great. I feel good. Um, we'll feel, see how feel. golf looks. But... Optimistic. I'm gonna use the word. Right, would you say good or great? Good or great? Good. Man, I'm I'm gonna say really good, man. I'm I'm really feeling this offense. I like what they did. I think the the key right now is health. Health, health, health. If they can stay majority healthy, I really like. The thing is, I know a lot of people are questioning golf, and we talk about this all the time. What Ben Johnson was able to do with golf, I'm very confident that golf is going to have a successful year, especially with all these weapons. So if they are majority healthy, I think golf can have a phenomenal year. So I'm not worried I'm not worried a bit about golf. If golf ends up being terrible, then they could be a really big problem as far as what's going on with the offense right now. I mean, I don't know. But no, I, I, I as of right now, I was literally just going to say the opposite. If golf is not the guy, I still feel really good about this office. Because I think the surrounding pieces are there. You got a really good offensive line. You got two young receivers who I think are going to be studs. We've already seen flashes from Monroe and Brown. I think I'm just – I know we haven't seen Jameson Williams, so it's a bit premature. But I think he's just going to be that guy. Um, so if it's not golf, okay. So on. We have a good offense that a lot of quarterbacks will succeed with. Now, now, let me ask you a question. What happens if it goes deeper than golf? So what happens if golf is struggling, but then you're like, all right, this offense is dry? Then then, then what? 
I just then, don't then now see we have a, that though. Like it, how? I don't. But, I, I personally don't see it either. That's what I'm saying. Like what, what would go wrong? That. Like I mean, Decker is proven. I mean, it's not like he's a one-year player. Like Penny Sewell was really good last year. Frank Ragnos top two center in the league, if not the best center in the league. Um, I mean, what's what's wrong here? It's not like I'm only counting on. I know the receiving core. Maybe they're young. I mean, Amonra is only going to year two. Jameson hasn't even played a snap. But other than that, I mean, what am I missing? Everything's proven, I'm, right? I, I'm I'm, talk, I'm not that's what I'm, I'm not talking about the player. I'm talking about staff wise. What happened if you know, like I said, the offense is dry and you're looking at the play caller? Would the play caller be an issue? Would the play caller be an issue? I don't think that'll be an issue because bro, they had like me, you, and Tyler playing receiver and the play calling the like towards the end. That's that's dry. why that's that's why I'm I'm just saying that's why I'm confident in Jared Goff. And that's yeah. what I'm saying. If for some reason he did fail. If, if it was like went terrible, it went bad. So say if Jared Goff looked, played like he did the first half of the first same five percent last year, then we, I think there's gonna be major question marks. I don't think it's just gonna be solely on him. Definitely move on from him, but I think it's gonna be other factors that plays into. It. I don't think it's gonna be. I don't think Jared Goff is that bad with all these weapons because we've seen Jared Goff with weapons take his team to a goddamn Super Bowl. Yeah. So it's like you have all these weapons. You have a competent play caller. Can he play decent football to at least play decent? You know, if he's terrible, I think you got there's gonna be more into it. I I'm with you. I, I, I don't think it's just gonna be Jared Goff that's gonna be terrible. It has to be something well, else that factors it, it into depends, it for him bro, being bad. Like, because in LA, he had a good play caller, he had good receivers or whatever in that last but year. But he was not. He, he was never I, I tell it. I, I say this all the time. It's, it's different. Yeah, he McVay is a good play caller, but I think McVay's a gambling McVay's type a play fucking caller. Genius. He's a no, genius. No, but no. Jared was never terrible though. We can we can all agree. Jared yeah, was never he terrible. He, he was even, never terrible. He, he was, even, even though he was upgradable, obviously he was never terrible. Last year was the one time he was terrible. And yeah, his, he wasn't. Every, he was, he, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say he wasn't terrible. You're right. He wasn't terrible. And I think Ben Johnson offense from what we seen last year, this the last five games. I think is more Jared Goff friendly. I, I think you know McVay's offense is more take shots downfield. You know more vertical offense, which is not really Jared Goff's game. We 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 know that. Um, but I think this Ben Johnson's office, I think it's more Jared Goff friendly. So I think that's why uh, I, just, I just, I just don't see it being terrible. No, I don't think it'll be, I terrible. Think, I don't think, I don't think he'll be terrible. One thing I do like about the line. So I feel like Anthony Lynn was kind of like my way, like my scheme. I think with, with like Campbell and Johnson over, they kind of catered to their players. Like they did what their players were good at versus Lynn was just like, Hey, let's run my scheme. We're going to do it like this way. You saw once he left. You were seeing like they were playing more to golf strengths and the guys they had. They weren't kind of like forcing things. They weren't trying to do things where they weren't comfortable with. So I feel like with Campbell, I don't necessarily think it matters if you have like a. They're gonna play to your player strengths. I don't think they're gonna enforce like a scheme, right? Like maybe they exactly. want to do some certain things, but I think what they're gonna do, and same we saw that with AG too. AG played to his player strengths. We saw this year they're switching more to a four three because their front is more. They have like better ends versus outside linebackers, right? Like Romeo, Quara, Hutchinson. I feel like those guys are better suited with their hands there than standing up, right? Especially Hutch at Michigan. Um, he could stand up, but I think he's better with his hand in the ground. So you're you're seeing what they're doing, and they brought all these linebackers in, Jared Davis, CJ Board, whatever. I'm getting too much into this, but they're playing to their players' strengths and they're adjusting their schemes to their players. They're not forcing a scheme like Patricia did or like Anthony Lynn did, for example. 
Yeah, you're right. Yeah, absolutely. That, we saw that. That's You're putting the players in the best spot for them to be successful. We saw Marron St. Brown in the running back. You see Amal Ross in the slot. We see him in the outside. It wasn't like that in the first half of the season. So, I mean, Ben Johnson, Dan Campbell, they, they did a good job. And I, like I said, I think this offense is more Jared Goff friendly than the McVay offense was. Yeah. McVay offense was just McVay's offense, um, which we see with Stafford. Stafford had a hell of a he had a hell of a production, but it's, it's cause and effect. You're going to see a lot of turn, turnovers in the offense as well. Now, yeah. you, you don't have the arm strength to make those plays. You're going to struggle. Um, yeah. Stafford is able to um, make plays in the offense. Jared Goff wasn't. I mean, this is what it is. I think this offense is more Jared Goff friendly. So that's why I'm just – I just don't see it. I just don't see a scenario where it's bad unless injuries kick, their, kick our ass and there's a, a lot of things that plays in factor of Jared Goff being bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get more into that when we get closer to the season of as far as offensive play calling and all that. We don't do that right now. We're actually going to end it here because we are way over time. But I hope you guys <laughs> all enjoyed this episode of the Offensive Breakdown. We're going to do one, like I said, next week on the defense side of the ball. And then we'll figure some things out over what we're going to do because we got some dead time. There's a lot of dead time from now until training camp. So we'll figure it all out. But I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode. And also for people that are interested in the Twitter spaces, so I know a lot of people are used to us going live once a week. So now until Hard Knocks, which is early August, we'll be doing every other week. But once the season, the, the preseason and training camp gets kicking off, we're going to go right back to our weekly uh, Twitter space. But as of right now, since the news is not as popping right now, we're going to go to every other week. We'll tweet about it. So if you guys are interested, when we're going to go live, what time, everything. Just keep up with the Pride Podcast Twitter page. There's always going to be updates there. So uh, with that being said, hope you guys all enjoyed it again. Leave a five-star review if you enjoyed it. And I'm out, guys. Peace. All right, guys. Like Tyler said, uh, we appreciate all the support we've had. And we're going to be doing the spaces every other week. And we'll be covering the defense next week. And I'm out. Peace. All right, y'all. It's your boy Malcolm. And I am out. Peace. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.